This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com, and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. back with another episode of the Lakers Fast Break podcast. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from the Lakers Fast Break, Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you get a chance, please, 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 we truly appreciate it if you could go ahead and give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Also, as well, if you can like, subscribe, follow not only our shows around the Pop Culture Cosmos Network, the Lakers Fast Break, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, but also if you can go ahead and like, subscribe, follow everything that my guest does, because he's one of our best guests out there. In fact, you know what? It almost feels like I should go ahead and put his name in front of mine each and every week as the host, because I feel like he's here more than I am. You should go ahead and do so today because he puts out a lot of tremendous stuff just like we do here at the Lakers Fast Break. But I want to go ahead and tell you later on, there's going to be a commercial telling you most but not all of the great guests that are going to come on the way from Lakers Fast Break because it is a huge list of names I either have recorded or are going to record with coming up in the next couple of weeks as we get closer and closer to the regular season. So I'm hoping that you guys and gals out there will be able to go ahead and give it a listen right here at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Well, last time I talked to him, he had said, let's wait a day and see what happens. And sure enough, a lot of stuff happened and he came on the show and he was right. So you know what? He said to me before we went on out, if anything happens again, real quick, real soon, I'll jump on and we'll do this again. And wouldn't you know, Rajon Rondo with the brittle hands broke his finger and is out six to eight weeks. And wouldn't you know, Russell Westbrook came into, uh, well, he actually didn't get it in the bubble, but I guess in transit, he found out that he has contracted the coronavirus, so he is currently out. His situation, he's under quarantine. So the situation for the Houston Rockets is actually not very good. And we'll also talk about, of course, Rajon Rondo and his injury. But here today with me is, a, a, just like I said, I should put his name in front of mine because he does such a great job on our show each and every time. you got to check out what he's doing today at the NBA Draft Junkies. The NBADraftJunkies.com, great website there. The NBADraftJunkies.com YouTube page with over 11,000 subscribers. He does an awesome job there. You know, he's actually got people working with him now, Joe Gomez, and the new guy from Turkey who did a tremendous job. He was the big hit at your mock draft there. I mean, <laughs> it was just tremendously the kind of uh, reception that he got. Plus also his great podcast as well, NBA Draft Junkies. It is Rafael Barlow. And Rafael, I'll tell you what, you guys had a great time in a mock draft, and before we end the show, we got to go ahead and talk about some of the things that you, your your perceptions, your, your I guess, uh, thoughts on that and how it went. But first off, my friend, just great to have you back on the program. Glad to be back. Um, I'm, seems like I'm here often. You are, and, and well, you know what? You keep telling me, you know, anything comes up, we got to go ahead and talk about it. And you know what? We, we do, and I just appreciate you doing so. But I'll tell you what, my friend, it's just – 
hearing Rajon Rondo being the first injury at the bubble, it just, uh, I don't know if that's a good omen or bad omen or, or what, you know, however you're going to perceive it. Cause I know he is uh, not the most popular Laker on the team because of the way he's played over the course of the past couple seasons with the team. I know his, he's not at the level that he once was. He does provide that veteran leadership voice. I know Frank Vogel and LeBron James, they they have a tendency to rely on him and you know and his skills on the court. Even though when you look at it statistically, and I know you and I have looked at the numbers before and spoken about the numbers before, they have been not very impressive. And I've said in the past that I wanted his time, or at least I was hoping his time would be re- reduced. Uh, and that would, wasn't going to be the case with Alex Caruso or any other players that could come in and maybe interject themselves to mix a little bit better because he was getting to be a little bit of a detriment on the defensive side. But people were saying, wait for playoff Rondo. Wait for playoff Rondo. Well, you know what? We're going to have to wait for playoff Rondo. Yeah, I don't even know if he gets in the rotation once he does come back. If it's a six- to eight-week injury, I guess he'd be in for the playoffs, but it depends on if JR or Dion play well in that spot, then it might be tough for him to get back in the rotation. The only thing I see as an issue is after LeBron, because I know he liked playing with LeBron. I know Frank Vogel matched him up with LeBron a little bit, but also when LeBron went to the bench, he was the primary ball handler. And that's something you and I have spoken about before with Dion Waiters. That is his MO. That is something that I think he is very attuned to doing. So can, or at least the Dion Waiters that you and I once remembered. Okay, now we don't know, because like I said, he's only played three games a season. The mm-hmm. Dion Waiters that we knew, do you think he could fill that slot? I mean, I don't think he's a point guard. I wouldn't ask him to initiate the offense and get guys involved, but... I do think that he is, if he's the Deion Waiters that you had in Miami, not last year, but the year before, or the free agent year when he, when he got the, I think he got like $52 million, then, I mean, the Lakers got him for a steal. But even then, he wasn't, he wasn't like a, a point guard or a distributor. But I'm, I like Caruso. I mean, I'm confident in Caruso as, as the backup point guard. And I've been saying since I've been on the show that some somebody's going to be the odd man out. And we've talked about the bigs, but I know one of the guards is going to be the odd man out once the rotation starts to tighten up as you get in the playoffs. And, I mean, I imagine Brian's going to play 38 minutes, 40 minutes. So um, I just think who's ever playing well around him is going to get the majority of the minutes. And I don't, I didn't see before the injury, and even now, I don't see Rondo as getting as a guy that's going to compliment Bron, especially in a playoff series. So I think that um, him being out, it's not, it's not a major loss for the Lakers. Let me throw this name out at you because I saw him playing 2K with LeBron and AD last night, and it was so funny because they had an entire group of people hanging around them virtually. And everywhere they went on the uh, pickup game courts, uh, 
because they were playing together in, in 2K. It was so funny because everybody's doing like the Naruto run right after him. Uh, I don't know if you got a chance to see that on Quick Cook's uh, Twitter last night because he was playing on Twitch, but Queen Cook, there's NBA final experience. Uh-huh. He's a good three-point shooter. I know defensively yeah. he he's a very uh, he's a shorter individual, so he's uh, you know as far as NBA wise, so he's not been the greatest individual defensively. Quick can handle the ball. He's not been he very compliments LeBron. Yeah, compliments LeBron. Just you know, in the pack past, he's been a thirty-eight to forty percent three-point shooter. We've not really seen that much of a sample size yet in Los Angeles to, you know, to really gauge whether or not he can go ahead and produce now, I'd say give him the shot. Uh, not saying Alex Caruso shouldn't play, but Alex Caruso, when he's the primary ball handler and distributor, has had issues. When he's off the ball and he's focusing on defense or he's giving you those hustle plays, he could work out well, I think, with Quinn Cook. Yeah, I keep forgetting Quinn Cook is on the roster. I, I mean, think a lot of people seems, forget. <laughs> yeah, at this point, it seems like the Lakers have 21 guys on the roster right now. And I'd have to just take a look and see how many how many guys they have. It seems like there's a bunch of guards, maybe thin on the wings, and then we all know that they have three, even four starting caliber centers. But yeah, I, I totally forgot about Quinn Cook. But I guess I forgot about him because I just imagine that Jr. or Dion are are going to play big minutes for the Lakers. But I had Rondo out of their rotation anyway. Oh, you did. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I must you know, actually, if Laker Tom hears me from LakerHolics.net, he's probably wincing when I say this. But you know what? I like that because I have not, you know, I know I understand what Rajon Rondo brings as a voice, but, you know, numbers-wise, outside of a very small stretch where about 10 games he was shooting above 50% from the three-point area, it's been not a good season for him overall from both the offensive and defensive standpoint. And there are times in the offensive sets, you and I have both seen this, where they will just leave him alone. He will just have like a parking lot full of space where nobody's and they're just begging him to shoot on the other team. I questioned the fit from the beginning. To me, it was just always a weird fit from, you know, the time him and Lance signed. I just thought like those guys don't compliment LeBron's game. Like, I mean, Rondo's a better player than Quinn Cook, but in a playoff situation where you have to build around Bron and Bron's going to play a lot of minutes, I think Cook is a better fit because. He spaces the floor and just the gravity that he provides. And plus, Bron is best with the ball in his hands. Yeah. And Rondo's best with the ball in his hands. But Rondo is not good at all when he doesn't have the ball in his hands. And so, you know, I, I can see in the playoffs that coming back to haunt them because when they try to run the pick and roll, who's ever guarding Rondo is just going to be sitting there waiting for it. So that's why I didn't think that Rondo would have made an impact in the playoffs this year. But then again, he may have, would have had like one or two games where he's just flying all over the place defensively, coming up with the hustle points. And, you know, even like in Boston when they used to, I mean, you remember him in the in the playoffs where you didn't guard him, but he, he would sneak in and get these timely offensive rebounds and, and just those hustle plays. But if he's not providing that, then 
I don't think that he would have provided much of an impact. Because that's something that even though he was very good off the ball, like you said, steals off the off man, not his own man, but the off man, Mm -hmm. rebounder, like he was one of the best rebounding guards. I get that. I understand that. And uh, but his ability to go ahead and do a lot of those things diminishes because he's he's not the youngest guard in the world. And that's the same thing when we talked about J.R. Smith. I'm, I'm worried about what he can contribute being out of the league two years and being 34. Yet Dion Waiters is 28, still in the prime, you would think, in the prime of his career. He, I think, has a better chance to distribute in many ways, but he might not get the opportunity simply because of the fact that J.R. Smith is a better fit stylistically with LeBron. And I think Dion is playing for his NBA career. I mean, I think that if he doesn't take advantage of this situation, or and you can say the same for J.R., any type of, you know, not positive news about them comes out, I think that it could it could signal the end or very close to the end for, for both of those guys. Because, I mean, even if you're your waiters, he's still in the contract. But for, I mean, this year was not a good year for him. Yep. Gummy, the whole gummy, yeah. With the gummies. Yeah. <laughs> and then a team just getting rid of you with what he got traded to Memphis, right? And then they were like, don't even come. Just, I believe so. We'll, we'll pay you to get away. Or they bought him out. And I know he had a lot of money left on his deal. So anytime that situation happens, I think you're on your last leg in, in the league. And then it's it's Miami. You know, like Pat Riley's one of those guys. If he's done with you, then it kind of, you know, I think the league follows. Luckily for Dion, he's a clutch guy. And, um, you know, it's, it's the Lakers are kind of desperate and they have the options to be willing to take that take that risk to see that, you know, if he comes in and he provides a spark grade, if he doesn't, then they didn't give up much for him. Similar. Kind of reminds me of J.R. Ryder that year with the Lakers. Was it 2001? Yes. Well, you know, he could play, you know, he can contribute. He was hanging on by a thread for his NBA career, not because of talent, just because of character issues. And I don't, I don't know if he played again after that. But then this also reminds me of what we saw earlier last year with Dwight Howard, where this Mm -hmm. could have been very well his last chance. And now he's taken full advantage of it to the point where once he goes back out into free agency after the season's over, he's going to be wanted by a great many teams. Yeah, but he still won't get paid his value. He's still going, especially with the cap going down. Yeah. Some team may get Dwight for like the mid-level exception. Which is, but it's still substantially better than what the alternative yeah. was because he was playing himself or acting himself out of the league, similar to what we saw, like you said, with Isaiah mm-hmm. Ryder and po- very quite possibly J.R. Smith and Deion Waiters if they don't go ahead and perform or when called upon, not just maybe not just that, but even if they're not given the opportunity, just go ahead and be those kind of teammates and not just your first weekend go ahead and complain about the hotel room not the top. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, it's JR has to be really thankful and grateful for his friendship with LeBron. I think that was what saved him and it's going to at least extend his career for this playoff run. That'll teach you. That'll, that Actually, that'll teach us both a lesson. Always try to find LeBron on the bike path. 
Because, you know, when they ride bikes together, you get that job. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Hey everyone, it's Gerald from the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Just want to give you a heads up on what's coming up over the next couple weeks right here at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. A ton of great guests, so please, if you don't follow us yet or subscribe, please do so wherever you get your podcast because there's a great lineup of guests I have coming along the way. Of course, we're going to have Rafael Barlow from the NBA Draft Junkies, always on our show. Tom Wong from Lakerholics.net, also regular, and cannot thank both of them enough for being on our show. But we're going to have a lineup of guests for you if you haven't seen already on our Facebook page. We've got a lot of great guests on the way. Check it out. NBA odds maker Rafael Esparza from Las Vegas. Got Melvin Washington III, also from Las Vegas. He's got a great show that happens every Friday on the Talk to Me Sports Radio Network on the Blog Talk Radio Network. Got Craig James coming up from the Final Score podcast on the Podcast City Network. Corey Harrison's also going to be on the show coming up from the Out of Bounds Sports podcast. Got Matt Moderno from the Believe in Wizards podcast. Eric Sklar from KFI AM 640 and the TSK Show podcast. He's scheduled to come on the show as well. Got Big Baby Jonathan Soffel from the Big Baby Jonathan Sports podcast. Got to check out his awesome show. He's coming up on the program here coming up in the very near future. Michael from the RTF Sports Network. Got to check out his awesome sports network that we are a part of each and every week right here at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Got to check out Michael's great stuff that he's doing there. Chris Jose LeBron, the Off the Ball Podcast host, he's going to stop by the program. JB Ellis from the Program Podcast, he's also going to come by, share his thoughts on the NBA scene. Cole Johnson from Cole Sports, Snowman Digital Media, and the Get Over Divorce Programs, he's going to come by on the show. And Fago White Franklin III from Fox Sports 1340 AM Hopewell. He's going to come on and share his NBA thoughts as well. I'm looking forward to it. It's a great lineup of guests. I've recorded some already. I've got many more on the way. And of course, that doesn't even include our NBA mock draft that's also coming right here, number 2.0, with a ton of great draft insiders that's also coming up. All these great shows, you can check it out right here at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. But there's a lot more to talk about here. I, I'm still thinking overall that the, the injury is going to be something that I'm, I think is going to be a benefit to the Lakers in a, in a weird way because it will give Quinn Cook, who I've been asking, to have a better opportunity to go ahead and have a chance to play, to now play. But also Alex Caruso, I, again, I, I just think he's still better off the ball than being your primary ball handler. I, I know that was something that they were trying to do when they first got him, and he was first a two-way player in the league. Was he was mm-hmm. going to be what they were perceiving as a backup point guard? But I've seen his passing; he still has a lot of areas to improve on his passing skills. But if he can go ahead and provide any type of relief, that's greatly appreciated. But I, I think they should give of the players that are still left. I think they should give Quinn Cook that chance. I agree. There you go. Yeah, I don't know if he's represented by Clutch. So <laughs> it's all about Clutch. <laughs> <laughs> You're not represented by Clutch. 
and and player A and player B are the exact same and they're clones and they do everything the exact same and the guy that's with clutch is going to get the upper hand <sighs> just the way the cookie crumbles <laughs> not going to say you're wrong because I know you're not wrong you're very much right on that once again, I'm talking to Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies. you got to check out his great shows on YouTube, his great podcasts, and also his awesome site, NBADraftJunkies.com. There's also other major news in the NBA. I think, what, two players recently have tested positive out of the over 300, uh, which is mm-hmm. a good sign. But yeah. one of those players is Russell Westbrook, who recently announced he tested positive I don't think he was in the bubble yet when this happened. So no. I think he's still quarantining at this point in time. So I don't think he could go ahead and – because I know he and James Harden were going by private plane uh, and were coming at a different point in time than the rest of the Houston Rockets team. So I think you cannot consider this a, a coronavirus positive case that happened within the confines of the bubble. I think Bam out of bio hasn't reported either. Okay. So I think Kawhi just got there today, if I'm not mistaken. So um, I wonder if Harden is the second. Yeah. Well, then I think um, they're not sure if Gary Harris or Michael Porter Jr. are with the Nuggets either. So I, I read a tweet saying that he, they're so tight-lipped about which Nuggets players are there and who's not there. Jokic isn't there yet either, so I wonder who the second player is. That's that's weird. That's that's something that hopefully they'll get uncovered. Of course, we don't have Adrian Wojnarowski, free Woj, right now to go <laughs> ahead and report that. So it's going to be all everybody's going to be leaning towards Shams for the next couple of weeks or so. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's just something that we're going to be seeing play out over the course of the next couple of weeks as the bubble. I mean, if they're able to go ahead and get over these little speed bumps with the people just coming in. And also the people breaking quarantine, Rashawn Holmes crossed over the Disney line and got himself, what, eight days of quarantine because he broke the quarantine line picking up some delivery food? Did you see his mom's tweet? What was that? No, I didn't. His mom says, you only crossed the line for your mama's cooking, and I'm not in Florida. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Nice. And then I saw Kelly Oubre, he sent out, the, I guess, a, a memo tweet like, hey, Postmates delivers, they'll deliver to to the front desk, but, you know, you got to actually come out and get it. They're not going to hold your food. And then for him, of all players, I mean, based off the situation that the Suns are in, he's like, we have, I can't remember exactly what he said, but it, I mean, I, I'm probably getting the quote wrong, but his point was, we have bigger things. We have bigger fish to fry. We have bigger obligations here. Like, don't be getting yourself suspended crossing the line when they'll bring the food to you. And so he's saying that as if his team is going to be competing for one of these spots. So I thought he's on the he Kings. They are. Oubre? Oh, oh, I thought you meant uh, Rashawn Holmes. Sorry, my bad. No, yeah, Kelly Oubre. He tweeted basically yeah. saying like they'll bring the food. Don't get yourself suspended because you know we have important things to accomplish here okay hey so uh, that those are the right words coming from the team that's like way way out of the picture in the playoff race right yeah i mean i I would be expecting that from you know somebody that was on a 
a team that's expected to compete for a championship. Ouch. So I guess the Suns are, are planning on trying to trying to make a run. There you I mean, go. They should, have, they should have their whole team there. You got to make Devin Booker happy. And then also Bruno Cabloco, the two years yeah. away from two years away, might be 10 days away from getting back on the court for Houston because he also broke quarantine. Yeah, I haven't heard the details about, you know, like, it's not as detailed like with Rashawn Holmes. I wonder what was he doing. But I think the the message should be loud and clear. You know, that quarantine, just hearing like Malika Andrews talk about it, and then just, you know, a friend of mine that's playing in China, he talked about how it was torture being in the room. I, If anyone else, like, breaks the quarantine and gets suspended for 10 days, I mean, I guess she's, I don't, I don't get it. I mean, I just think like the example that was set between these two guys, 10 days in your room is torture. I mean, it's almost like a jail sentence for, for breaking the quarantine. Yeah. Yeah. And we wish all the best to everyone that is in quarantine now, especially Russell Westbrook, because that's very terrible to hear that he has contracted the coronavirus and obviously it's going to put a little damper on the start of the Houston Rockets for some of their season until he can get back into the lineup. And I'm hoping he will be able to get back to the lineup because you want to see these teams as close to full health as possible. What do you think that's going to do as far as the outcome early on for the Houston Rockets? Well, I guess for me, like, first and foremost, the concern is Russ has, like, three young kids. I know his wife just had twins, and and he has a son that can't be no more than two. So that's I guess that's the, the main worry is, like, you know, him having COVID-19 with, with three young kids at home, that's kind of scary. Yeah. Um, as far as, like, the Rockets, I don't know because they're, they're two, their two top dogs aren't there. So, they're, I mean, how can you practice your offense when your offense is literally based around Harden and Westbrook? So, I mean, what is – are they running ISOs for Austin Rivers in practice right now? Oh, you know he's got to like that. He's got to like that. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's it's got to be tough for them, but I mean, I guess their system isn't too complicated. Anyway, everybody kind of knows their role: stand, stand in the corner, space the floor, knock down open shots. And then the thing about Harden and Westbrook, just from their past, you know they're coming in, in shape. Those aren't two guys that you have to worry about. Yeah, he looks like he lost a lot of weight. Period. Yeah, and that's that's the. The thing that, you know, a lot of people thought guys would come in out of shape. Or, I mean, I guess we can't know at this point who's, like, out of shape. But, I mean, I've seen guys, pictures where guys have transformed their bodies. Like, Gasol lost a lot of weight. Jokic looks like Porzingis. Harden lost some weight. Um, I even saw, like, Grant Williams from the Celtics looks a little slimmer. Zion looks like he's... he's uh, Got some cuts in his arm. Like he looks even more. I mean, he's a monster as he, is. He looks like he's going to go for Mister America there. Yeah, he looks in good shape. I heard like Bagley's put on like maybe ten to fifteen pounds of muscle. So it's uh, I mean, I guess it's kind of like an off season because yeah. I think if you take the days from when the season ended, like March what was it March eleventh or twelfth or something like that, into the time where the season starts, July thirty first, it's almost like that the identical dates and time frame of a normal NBA offseason. Yeah. And then the, there's so much to think about right now, like you said, with three to four months and how many people have taken advantage of that time. Although if something 
you know, you know I, I will say, take solace, Houston Rockets fans. If something happens to where Russell Westbrook and James Harden cannot play for any extended period of time, Austin Rivers, I got this, Coach. I got it. Feel confident in that. <laughs> He's been waiting for this moment, and especially it's kind of in his hometown. You know, he grew up in Orlando, so even it's that would probably mean a lot to him. I know he's not hoping that happens, but everyone is looking for the opportunity to really, you know, as they say, get off in your bag and show what you're capable of, as opposed to like being put into this situation where you're a role player. So I, Austin Rivers as the feature player in a D'Antoni offense might get him a bigger contract. It'll get him something. That's for sure. It'll get him a lot of shots, but it's going to be interesting to see if that's going to happen as we get closer to the season, there's still plenty of time for Russell Westbrook. And we don't know the status of James Harden, if either two are going to be able to play to start the season, but I'm hoping that that will be the case. And I don't know if Austin Rivers will like me saying that, but Austin Rivers, he's going to go ahead and get his buckets regardless. It's just depending on how many buckets he's going to get with James Harden and or Russell Westbrook out of the lineup. And that's hopefully not going to be the case for too long because realistically, Houston is not going to advance far on just Austin Rivers. <laughs> that's a safe That's a safe bet right there. That's a safe bet indeed. My friend, before we go ahead and talk about your perceptions and, and everything as far as what we did this past weekend with your mock draft that's now available on NBA Draft Junkies, I want to go ahead and talk about two more things. One thing was about Rajon Rondo. And when you have a player that is often injured in the same area as Rajon Rondo was, and this is the latest injury to his finger slash hand, Bobby Marks brought it up earlier this morning on Twitter that since the 2010-2011 season, Rajon Rondo has injured his hand and wrist 13 different times, 11 on the right, 2 on the left. He's missed about 55 games, not including according to what we're going to see, obviously, what he's going to miss in Orlando. So when you have a player, and I know you train players, and you've trained players in the past as well that have had injuries, I don't know to the extent at the same areas as this, how do you approach that differently going forward? Because if you realize that your hands are going to constantly get injured if you keep on doing things the, the, the wrong way, or maybe the right way, or maybe the way you're supposed to be doing, you know, should you take some type of precautions, or, or how do you approach that? I don't know, because you don't usually see hand injuries. It's usually knees or ankles or, you know, one of those areas where you guys have reoccurring injuries. But I have never seen anyone have as many hand injuries as he's had, especially as a basketball player, maybe as a boxer. And... For him, he his hands are. I mean, your hands are always going to be important because I mean, you need them in basketball. But as far as just like handling the ball, because I think like in a playoff situation, guys are competitive. They want to win, and if they know that you have weak hands, they're gonna tap your hand as often as possible. You know, I think I read was it Harden who had like a messed up thumb a couple years ago in the playoffs. And he was saying that whoever was defending him, they make sure, you know, just kind of bump the hand, you know, just kind of make sure that you don't want to hurt him, but you want him to feel it. You know, you want him to 
be aware that you know you're that you know you know that he has an injured hand and so or and you know he also gets a lot of fouls so when right. you're reaching for that foul you might as well go ahead okay if i'm gonna get called for a foul i'm gonna get yep. that part of the hand yep and so i mean rondo's not going to be attacking the paint like that but yeah i mean i, I wonder what the issue is i mean i'm sure he's going to see a hand specialist i'm sure that he probably has already seen one but he just may have hands that are failing him at the tail end of his career and that's a shame although I can somewhat relate because back when I was a kid playing little league baseball at first base, um, I was actually leading the league in hitting and I was doing really mm-hmm. well. But my second baseman who, you know, in those little league fields are like, what, just a few feet away from each other. He would throw heaters at me all the time on grounders and got to the point where my fingers all had to be taped up because they were in such disarray. And I lost enough time to where I didn't qualify for the batting title, even though I was leading the league. And it got to the point where they had to make a switch. Huh, I moved out to the outfield. My fingers are all better. What do you know? What do you know? But going back into what we're talking about, it's, I, like you said, he must have a hand specialist, but something is, is definitely wrong there. And it, it makes sense because, I mean, Rondo's never been known as an outside shooter, but there was a point in time towards the, I don't know, maybe 2011 through 13, where he was actually one of the best mid-range shooters in the NBA, especially from the elbows. He was shooting like, I want to say like, off the top of my head, I want to say he was shooting like over 50% from that spot on the floor. And... Since then, I want to say since maybe like his first or second hand injury, he's been more reluctant to shoot, and then he'll he'll pass some open shots to get assists. And so he's always kind of known as an assist hunter, but it seems like he started doing it a lot more once he had those issues with his hands. Like right now, he won't shoot unless he's wide open. And even then, even there's games if he makes a couple threes, there's times where the defense doesn't rotate out to him, like you said, and he'll still swing the ball back to someone to take a contested shot. And so I wonder, does that have something to do with his hands? Well, that's something that, because he had the injury earlier this year, mm-hmm. and he came back, and like I said, for the first 10 games-ish, he was shooting at above 50% and leading the league in three-point percentage. And he was confident, he was taking the ball, he, he was shooting the ball, he was taking a lot of shots, but then you start to see once his shot started to fail, you're right, exactly right. The teams left him wide open. He would pass up open shots. You saw that lack of confidence. I don't know if it's hand-related or, or what, but you saw mm-hmm. the, the lack of confidence in him personally to go ahead and say, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and, and get everybody else the ball because I'm not able to go ahead and shoot it. He did obviously have to take some times where there he had to shoot because they left him so wide open. But mm-hmm. you would definitely definitely see him pass up open shots, even if they gave it to him. Yeah, I mean, it could be related. I mean, think about it. If a guy had 12 or 13 knee injuries or 12 or 13 ankle injuries, it's going to impact how he plays the game. He may not be as aggressive as attacking the rim, so he may settle for a lot of jump shots. He may, you know, not go in and go for rebounds if it's his ankles because he's worried about landing on somebody's foot. He'll play a little bit more cautious. So maybe Rondo is passing up a lot more shots because he's just not confident in his hands or maybe even catching the ball is an issue. 
And you know, like the NBA, I mean, I mean, those guys, their arms are so long. The spacing is, I mean, it's better now than it was before, but those passes are like bullets being fired at you. And so you have to catch first. And if you don't want to catch the ball or you're, you're not catching the ball correctly, that little bit of timing can throw you off from a open shot to a contested shot. Yeah. So, you know, there could be a bunch of reasons. Well, I, I just say that it makes sense that with all his hand issues that it, it could affect his confidence from catching to even passing the ball. But luckily he has big hands and he has the hands where he can, you know, off the dribble and fire the ball across the court. But if his hands are bothering him, then maybe some of the high risk passes that he normally throws, he he'll be a little bit more conservative. Maybe that's part of the reason why he's had so many injuries because, you know, as you and I both have heard, even when the back when he was uh, you know, going for the draft or whatnot, that he has such tremendously large hands. Mm-hmm. That could be it. That could be it. So, uh, and like you said, he's going to be, when he comes back in six to eight weeks, whether or not he gets back into the rotation, I've, I have a feeling he'll be thrust back into the rotation regardless of how well the guards are playing or not so well. Just because he is Rajon Rondo, and because as as you and I've talked before about how much confidence Frank Vogel and also LeBron have in him, I see him still being given minutes, whether or not you know how whether or not how many of the guards are playing well or not. I, I still think he will get somewhat of a spot back when he gets back. See, I think it's even riskier because let's say if it was an ankle injury, if he had an ankle injury. And which hand is it? Is it his left or is it right? I'm sure it's it's out there which hand it is, but I'm not quite sure at this point in time. So, for example, let's say it was his ankle. If it's his ankle that's hurt, he could still get up four or five hundred shots a day to yeah. keep his rhythm. But if it's your hand, then you're already a reluctant shooter. You already are the weak link, and you're the one that defenses aren't rotating out to. Having a hand in- injury. It's something that it's going to be hard for him to like work on that while he's out. And then just the mental aspect of it. Yeah. So with saying all that, I wouldn't be shocked if he's out the rotation when he gets back. And if he does get back in the rotation, it's like you said, it's based off of Rondo, you know, his name as opposed to his game. There you go. <laughs> Was that intentional or unintentional on the right? It was, it was intentional. Okay, fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. We'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. The better that these Marvel films do, the higher the standards are going to be for not just other films in general, but other Marvel films also. I think it's really hard to end a show with this many fans in a satisfying way. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Playing worldwide on radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. Again, I'm with Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies. He recently did a mock draft with the Weisenbergs, Jason and Michael from Perspective Insight, and also their great Viceland podcast. You had Stone Hansen from DraftSite.com. Who else did you have on board? I think, uh, no, you didn't have My Joe brother. Else. Yeah, your My brother, brother James. James Barlow. Yep, and then uh, the superstar. Jose Kilich. 
Yeah, he's a uh, man. That, that that kid is a worker. Absolutely, he was doing it all the way late night from Turkey, as far as when mm-hmm. he was going ahead and making those picks. And you guys had a great roundtable discussion, and you had went down pick by pick. I want to tell you the presentation, the way you laid it out, was truly uh, a lot of fun. It was a great job by you and everybody else that was involved with picking it. I I truly enjoyed it. Glad that maybe in one, in some ways that maybe I wasn't a part of it because I would have messed it up. I also, the feedback that you were getting, I don't know, if, uh, some of these individuals that were on there, the commenters and whatnot, I don't think was truly uh, the best intentions in mind as far as what they were commenting. Uh, as you know, when you when you do your shows, you know, some people like your picks, some people don't like your picks when you're doing your mock drafts and whatnot. But when you guys got together, I noticed there was quite a variance from when you and I and James and Michael Weisenberg and Stone Hansen got on previously and we picked our picks. Tell me some of the things that you were seeing differently because I saw after that CBS Sports HQ, they were doing their draft and their draft was significantly different than the one you just had with all the guys. Yeah, it's just a matter of opinions. I mean, we've talked about it before that with this draft, I mean, there's no surefire number one, and a guy could be high on my list and, you know, be projected to go in the 20s on somebody else's. I mean, even with the list I I did earlier, I had Jaden McDaniels as a lottery pick, and then now I'm just kind of, his stock has fallen in my eyes, and it's not even based off of, his last game because he hasn't played since like March. It's just watching other guys. And then um, I think RJ Hampton was the biggest fall yeah. in our, in our mock draft. Um, Nico Mayne has, is, he's been consistent as far as where he's been. And, you know, so even like my personal mock draft, the one we did on the Lakers fast break. And then this, this one this past weekend, Teo Maladon, I think he he wasn't even selected in the first round. That's correct. If I'm not mistaken. Yes. Uh, Jemais Ramsey was the last pick. And I think even if we did another one tomorrow and we used a Tankathon simulator where the, you know, we didn't know who was picking, Matt, I think there would be a big difference in contrast of where players are going in that one too. I mean, did because it surprise think, you? Um, yeah, like I was shocked. I think Xavier Tillman in the first round. I wasn't expecting that. I mean, he hasn't been in first round, and and like my personal one, the one we did on your site. So he was new. I think Grant Riller in the first round was new. Kuze uh, selected Malachi Flynn. He put him in the first round. So that's three guys that were new to the first round. So that means there's three guys that got bumped out. Just off the top of my head, I know Melodon was one. I'm thinking maybe Vernon Carey was the other. And... Was it Zeke Nanaji? I think it was a big. That it wasn't was Zeke Nanaji. Yeah, he was, Zeke Nanaji was, was bumped out, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, um, so yeah, that's, I mean, like I said, RJ was the biggest fall. I forgot where he went off the top of my head. He went to the mid-20s, uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, he went to Miami at like, what is Miami, 23, 24, something like yeah. that? And he's been a lottery on, on a lot of different boards, so. And this is someone that you uh, have seen more closely. So you've been able to gauge his progress even during the course of the, you know, the past few months where they haven't been playing. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, I saw him. I've seen him at like the gym, like doing strength and conditioning workouts. I've seen him there a couple of times, but I've only actually seen him on the court once. And that was when I filmed and, and that footage is on my website. I may try to go this week and see if I can catch up with him. Um, but he's been working out with Mike Miller lately. So I don't know if he's actually in Dallas or not. Like, I mean, I, I follow him on Instagram. Sometimes he's in Memphis. Sometimes he's in Dallas. So I don't know where he's at, but I can make a phone call and see if I can catch up with him. There you go. There you go. I mean, because like you said, he can't let him drop down too far because I think the kid's got got some skills, and I think that he can go ahead and be an impactful player in the NBA. Just where he fits, where his ultimate position lies, that's still up for debate. I know you and I have talked about him being that kind of hybrid point guard, shooting yep. guard. I think that's a you know, positional type need. Uh, that probably would be best thing for me. Whether or not you want to see him as a starter or as someone that's going to be a major contributor off the bench, I think that's also probably for me one of the things that I would consider. It's where you perceive him to be, and I think that's what this draft is all about. Is is there's a lot of contributors. I think a lot of people are trying to reach for the stars, and therein lies the problem because I think a lot of these teams. A lot of these players in this draft, which is not as valued as other drafts, I think you can get a lot of contributors on this team. I just don't think you're going to get, be able to get a lot of stars. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's a weak draft. It's overall, as far as talent, it just doesn't have that star power. At least as of now, it doesn't look like it has the star power. Like everybody that, you know, from Lamelo to Anthony Edwards to wise men there are some concerns or question marks but then again you know every year there's there's a guy that ends up being like a late lottery pick or mid first round pick that ends up turning into like a high quality like all-star you know like donovan mitchell was one i think um bam out of bio you know it's always situations like that so i think that by this draft being so difficult to gauge, I wouldn't be shocked if there's a couple guys that are selected late lottery, mid first round that end up being really high level starters for for winning NBA teams. But you're Intel overall- is going to be important this year, really important. But it's going to be hard to get because yeah. you can't really meet with guys face to face. A lot of Zoom interviews, so it's going to be tough. I mean, I would love to be an NBA GM, but this is the year that that uh, you got your work cut out for you. Well, unfortunately, that's not going to happen for you because one of your protégés, Kuse Kilik, is going to be at this rate, if, if based on the fan response, my gosh, he might get the job before you. Because that kid, hey. he, everybody loved his picks on the draft. Yeah, I mean, he had the he had the Warriors pick, and he, he took Okongu. Um, he had the second Knicks pick, and they liked that one. And I, I'm, I'm just happy to see that... Uh, you know, the response from the people watching. I did see one where they say he's the GM of the, he's the best GM of the group. So it, uh, it, it was good to see because he's, he's the youngest out of everybody, probably by a long shot. You know, he's Turkish and he, he was, he's confident in his work. But one of the things that he was concerned about is he was saying like his, he didn't think his English was good enough. So I told him, no, your English is fine. Your English is fine. You'll, you'll do just fine. So he was excited to see that, um, you know, the positive feedback. And then I guess it had positive feedback to his friends in Turkey also. So he's looking forward to the next one. 
Well, I thought you were an awesome GM on your GM spotlights for the New York Knicks and Cleveland Cavaliers. So if you do get that job as a GM, you might actually have to call him on the phone and ask for some trade options. So, you know, because he might be working in an office somewhere else in the NBA. (laughs) Trade options. And he knows, like, I mean, he, he has a scouting report out where he's broke down film on, like, the top 15 year olds in Africa. So he works. I mean, he really, he really works. And then um, even just far as like getting interviews, like he, he doesn't fear rejection. Like he'll reach out to foreign players in their DMs and ask for interviews. So I have a couple lined up this week with uh, a couple guys that I've seen live and, and that I have projected to be like late second round picks. And so I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, he's he's been a good addition to to my website. And Joe Gomez as well. He's done some great work with you already. Mm-hmm. So you got just got to catch out there if you can. NBA Draft Junkies, you're doing a lot of great stuff there. But before we head on out, my friend, I want you to go ahead and you mentioned some of the things that you're doing. Is there anything else you got cooking up right now in NBA Draft Junkies? Right now, I mean, the next thing is I have a Sadiq Bay video breakdown i haven't done one in like a month i've been doing more so like the podcast stuff and breaking down the positions but i need to get back into doing the individual scouting report so sadiq bay is next um and i've had the video 80 percent done for like four or five weeks now it's just uh adding the finishing touches to it and then adding the voiceovers so my goal is to get that done sometime this week and then um after that, I know I plan on doing another my GM this week. I just need to figure out which team I am going to uh, be responsible for fixing through the draft. I'm thinking maybe Detroit or Chicago. Um, the Cleveland one, I thought that was my best work by far. Well, I've only done two. I thought the Cleveland one was better than New York, but it's not – the Cavs don't have a fan base like New York, so it didn't get the same amount of, of views and attention. So I think I'll go with Chicago. And then I, hopefully I can do all 30 teams. I'm kind of pushing myself now because I think we're like 95 days away from the draft, so I have to do like 28 teams within the next 95 days. And uh, But I think once, a little, once I get more under my belt, they'll be easier to do. It's just kind of tough because I got to remember you know, the cap and look at the roster and then come up with a script. And But I enjoy it. I really enjoy it. And and it's practice for, you know, maybe something I, I'll be doing in the in the future as far as just um, whether it's talking or being a GM of a team or, or being a, on, you know, on my podcast. So I enjoy it a lot. Well, I'll tell you what, if you get a chance, check out his work today. I'm hopeful that it will lead to something very prosperous for you, my friend, because you do put a lot of work in. Uh, You do work very hard at it, and I truly appreciate everything you do. And I know all the 11,000 subscribers on YouTube, the many people that read your work at NBADraftJunkies.com, and also check out your podcast, NBA Draft Junkies. Go ahead and appreciate that as well. And I wish you continued success with that. But before we head on out, my friend... We were hoping for more hotel horror stories, and the, really the horror stories for that have taken place as far as people breaking the Disney line, like we talked about with Rashawn Holmes. But mm-hmm. there was one blog or one vlog 
on Twitter that you said I should follow, and I think I'm going to go ahead and suggest that out there, and that's Matisse Thibel. Tell us why people should be watching Matisse Thibel and his continuous vlogs on the bubble. Well, for me, he's a creative. I'm a creative. I do video stuff. And so I I understand, like, the creativity that that's behind it. And so what he's done is he's vlogged. And, and I guess I relate to it simply because there's been times where I've been traveling. And I'm trying to, like, travel and hold the camera. I'm trying to hold my luggage. And so I understand how difficult it is to to do that because – I mean, like I said, it's tough because you're trying to hold your luggage. You're trying to check into the hotel. You're trying to do everything that you know, everybody else has to do. But at the same time, you want to capture the moment. So he's done a good job of that. And then just the fact that, I mean, they've only been there like a week and he's already put two out. So it shows the free time that they have. And then it shows that, um, you know, he's been putting in time and, and editing, editing each video. I think the first one was like 10 minutes or so. And then he showed like all the snacks. He showed um, you know, the little things like they gave each player like a personalized pillow with their name and their number on it. And then I think was it the I think it was the owner of the team, and he was with Embiid, and he went to shake hands, and the owner's like, "I can't shake hands." And I mean, just like the little stuff that's going on behind the scenes. Hopefully, more players, you know, do the same thing. I think I saw Javale had a camera when um, the Lakers were getting off the bus. I would love to see, like, the fishing, like, like the uh, fishing vlog. Um, I don't know if you had a chance to see some of those videos where the guys went fishing. Not yet, um, not yet. Yeah, it was the thunder. And it, it's funny because I listened to, like, the Hoop Collective, and they're saying, like, you know, when the guys are on the court, they can defend each other, they can guard each other. Once basketball is over, they have to be six feet away from each other, you know, they have to get ice in their chairs six feet apart. And then they have the little buzzer or whatever that, you know, it goes off if they're, I guess I've heard anywhere between six to 10 feet. But yeah, you had these guys on a boat and they're fishing. And I mean, it's pretty cool to see. I think, um, I forgot, I think it was Darius Baisley caught a fish and he was so excited. It was his first time catching a fish, but he's kind of like me. Like I'll, I've been fishing before, but something about the grabbing of the live fish off the hook, it, it doesn't sit well with me, and, and he had the same <laughs> issue. So I thought that was pretty cool. And hopefully we can get, like, some, I don't know, whatever games they're playing. I, um, I'm sure that they'll they'll find some ways to be competitive. And so, um, but, yeah, like, his behind the scenes from a player's perspective it's like professionally done, but it's not professionally done. I think that's what makes it cool is that it's, it's not really like scripted. It's just from his point of view, his it's, it's what he sees. So I think that's pretty cool. That's awesome. That's once again, Matisse Seibel, you got to check it out. You start off with his Twitter, just go to his Twitter. I'm going to give him some props on that. And he is at Matisse Seibel, or you can just go ahead and, and just Google it, Matisse Seibel and his videos come right up. I just wanted to go ahead and thank you again for being on the show. Any last thoughts on what you're looking forward to this week or more info outside of what you're talking about behind the scenes, but anything coming up on the, you know, cause you've been such an, an insightful person and almost like a savant as I called you on the previous show. <laughs> what do you, what are you thinking that might happen over the course of the next few days? 
Well, I don't think there'll be any more guys uh, raking the the quarantine. That eight to ten day jail sentence in your room—that's probably not the best term to use. But that eight to ten day sentence to your room—that that's a major punishment. So I think the NBA got their two guys that they're going to use as examples. So hopefully, there's not any more. Um, I mean, yeah, I think the the main thing is we'll see like when Westbrook comes, Harden, Adebayo, and then even with like these practices that have been canceled. Like I've seen the tweets and they've named like four teams that cancel practice. You know, hopefully we'll find out is it just, is there more to it or is it just that they decided to cancel practice? So we'll, I guess we'll find out more in the next few days because it seems like they're about three days behind. Yeah. Yeah, with the with the news. So, but I'm sure, like, you know, we're kind of starved for sports at this point. So, I think anything that happens is going to end up being like major news for ESPN, Twitter, or whoever, just because everybody wants to find out what's going on. It's going to be a little bit harder for ESPN until they free Woj, but you know. And I digress. Did they say how long he's suspended for? Nope. That's I mean, I don't it doesn't seem like they've like I haven't even seen it on any anything on their end. Of course on not. their shows. Nope. Not on their yeah, not, the Hoop Collective. Didn't hear that. Heard didn't never heard it. on the ESPN Daily shows. Never saw it on their site. You have to go everywhere else and they never specified how long the term is going to be. Free Very watch. interesting. Free watch. It's, it's weird because they report everybody else's news, but like you said, when it comes to their own, it's like it didn't happen. Exactly. So. But LeBron says free Woj. I know a lot of the players are saying free Woj, so they're trying to get behind that movement for freeing Woj. I'm like I said, I think he's back before the beginning of the season, which again would probably coalesce with what a two week type of window so i don't see that as as too big of an issue there if that's the case uh, but we've already talked about that and if you want to hear more about our thoughts on on the adrian motionowski controversy go ahead and check out our previous episodes on the lakers fast break but for now my friend i just truly appreciate the time you're taking i want to hear all about like you said over the course of the week or until next time we talk about some of the things that's going on behind the scenes. I mean, what is going on with, like, like you said, about some of the players not, you know, showing up for the team practices. What's going on with Kemba Walker? Is he hurt? Is he not hurt? There's some other yeah. mysterious things that are going on in the NBA. Hopefully, we will get more, uh, you know, lead time. Hopefully, we'll get more information. Hopefully, we'll get more clarification on some of these things as we go forward because. It's nine days away when they start the scrimmages, and I want to make sure at least that they are somewhat ready and somewhat up to speed, and hopefully we won't have two more incidents going forward. Yeah, even like Victor Oladipo, unless they changed it and I missed it, but I thought if you weren't playing, you couldn't come. And now it's like supposedly Kyrie's whole thing, but I hear Oladipo is with the team. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Very confusing line sent out as far as that's concerned when, from a league that has made so many distinct points of interest and clarifications in other aspects. So it's clear and it's unclear when it concerns the NBA bubble at this point. But hopefully you and I, my friend, will be able to break it on down for our listeners on your shows and mine coming up very soon in the near future. I look forward to our future conversations 
Cannot thank you enough for, for always stopping by. And any last thoughts on the way out? Nope, just, um, I mean, you covered it all. Just want to know, like, a little bit more what's going on, like, with the Nuggets. And so um, we don't know who's been at their practices, if they have their whole team. When Jokic is coming in into the to the bubble, a lot of questions need to be answered. A lot of questions indeed. Once again, it's Rafael Barlow from the NBA Draft Junkies. you got to be part of his experience that he has out there today. Just type in NBA Draft Junkies. My friend, it's been great talking to you as always. I look forward to talking to you very soon. Although if we get more hotel horror stories, that might have to be sooner rather than later. But definitely want to go ahead and keep you up to date with everything that's going on right here at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.